0: Hello, I'm Elizabeth, an obsessive backyard gardener who might be able to offer you a couple of tips.
1: And I'm Keith, a landscape consultant, and I'm also passionate about gardening.
0: The one thing we both have in common is... Muddy muddy Boots. Boots. Welcome to another Q&A session. As always, we've got some fabulous and varied questions thanks to our wonderful listeners. Don't forget to listen out for your name as this month's prize winner of a fantastic package from The Plant Runner. Let's get to it, Keith. Okay. Our first question is from Lucinda on the Mornington Peninsula. We unfortunately need to relocate a Maya lemon tree and would love some advice as to how we can do this successfully. It is 6 to 7 feet tall and about 14 years old. It has a regular crop of magnificent lemons and we'd be very sad to lose it. Thanks so much for any tips that you can offer us.
1: Okay, so it's a citrus and we're down on the Mornington Peninsula, so it's going to be incredibly sandy soil down there. So you've got to do a little bit of preparation first. So the first thing you need to do is to remove as many of the lemons off the plant as possible. And then I would be giving that citrus a good haircut. I'd be cutting it back by at least a third, not just from the top, but from the sides inwards as well you need also to do a little bit of preparation before you actually lift it. And that would be once you've pruned it back, I would go around, the, around the, the, the actual drip line that's left with a sharp spade and go down vertically into the ground and cut and sever the roots all the way around. And then I'd be applying a little bit of, a little bit of sea sole on that just to stimulate new root, root growth. And then I'd be using a, that same sharp spade and I'd be digging a trench probably twice the, the, the depth of the spade around that drip line too. So we're taking out a trench all the way around that particular drip line. And then what you then need to do is is find yourself some hessian, which you can get from the big green warehouse. They sell hessian. Get yourself a six-foot a a six, six foot length or a two-metre length, whatever, and two by two. And then you start by having someone... Um, work behind the tree and you get them to pull the tree backwards towards them and that mm-hmm. lifts that front root system up off the ground a little bit. and with the Hessian, you poke that in underneath the the, uh, the root ball as far as you can to the center of the tree and then that person goes around to the opposite side and pulls it back the other way and then you pull that hessian back underneath, underneath. the other half of the root system. You then ball it all up around to the trunk of the tree and and then you tie it off. And then with with a few few friends of yours, you lift the tree out of the ground and you take it across to where you're gonna be replanting it. And in that new area where you're gonna be replanted, you will have already done your homework. You'll have already put some beautiful compost into that soil. You'd have put some biochar into that soil and you'd have put some myco gold into that soil, which which is that wonderful fungal spores. Put your tree back into the hole and rather than, than, um, than, than pulling the hessian out, you just take the tie off and you fold the hessian into the hole, mm. okay? Mm. So you just push the hessian down into the hole mm. and then backfill it. And you leave a bit of a dish and mulch it and then sea it and water it on a regular basis um, and just keep an eye on it. So just keep some regular watering up to it. Now, that, that hessian will rot because it's a natural product, and it'll, form, it'll give, it, give it a form of compost eventually. That's good. So it's, yeah, so it's just a, an easy way of doing things. Um, so that's how I would attack that
0: Lemon citrus. tree. Absolutely. Yeah. Good luck to Lucinda. That's a big job, but it's obviously well worth it. So hope, good luck, and hopefully it'll, it'll survive and thrive. Okay, question number two is from Beck. We're looking to plant a screening hedge along our back fence to block out the two-story houses behind us. We'd love to double up and use something that is edible, but we have a local possum and are concerned it would be attracted by any fruit and decimate the lot. Good old possum. Mm. We've heard plants like lemon verbena can be a screening or hedging option and wondered what other edible leaf-based plants could work too. We're on a oh, sorry a six hundred and twenty square metre block in Melbourne's outer east with soil that's on the heavier side.
1: Okay, well no matter what you do, you're going to have to work your soil, have to fix that up, um, and that's once again as much compost, maybe you know some some gypsum, um, biochar, all these sorts of things. Get that into the soil and break it up and make it a more friable type soil. That is one that will allow percolation of water and air through it. So you mentioned lemon verbena, and that would be probably not a very good choice because lemon verbena will only get a metre wide and a maximum height of about two metres, so it's not much of a screening plant. If you like the idea of the lemon verbena to make beautiful lemon teas and things, then a much better choice of plant would be something like a Bacchausia. So there's one called Bacchausia citriodora, and that has lemon-scented leaves, like would leave the leave the lemon verbena for dead. Absolutely magnificent um, fragrance and taste from the the backhousia citriodora. Or if you wanted to go, there's another one called uh, backhousia myrtifolia, which is the cinnamon. Um, mm. It's a cinnamon form of the, the backhousia. So that's a, that's great, and that'll get that you could hedge that up if you wanted to. But it's going to get to five meters tall, that's, so that's going to be a great screening. Other alternatives, which can also be hedged on a small block of land, are things like olives. So then, and there's lots and lots of different varieties of olives. So you, you can get a wonderful crop. Um, I've got four different varieties of olives in my backyard. I've got uh, one called Vidale, uh, Kalamata, So there's lots of different, and Frantoia. So there's lots of different forms of, of olives you could put in there. If you want to go slightly left of field, there's a beautiful plant called Carab from which you can make a chocolate substitute from. Mm, um, but you, you've got to be careful with those because you do need a male and a female plant. And they actually have wonderful flowers inside the, the actual uh, foliage of the plant. So you can't see the flowers on the outside. You've got to look up into them. But they're magnificent. Another consideration would be bay trees. So there's, that there's one lovely. that will get to about two and a half metres tall. and That's Loris nabilis baby bay. That's a great plant. Um, And then you've got pineapple guavas, for instance, and they'll get uh, four by three. And what about a macadamia? You get the macadamias, which you can also hedge up. I've got one beside my house, 300 mil away from a fence, and it would be probably now six metres tall, and it's got a whole heap of macadamias on it, which I can't wait to harvest. Other alternatives for wonderful hedges would be things like avocados. So you can get um, bacon, Hus Shepherd will all grow beautifully down here, and then of course there's the White sapoti, which will also form a, a wonderful you know hedge. plant for, for hedge. So there's some great options for proper screening rather than you know something to about two metres.
0: Yeah, I you've got some good ideas there, Keith. So hopefully Beck will be able to use a couple of those. Good luck, Beck, with that. Okay, our third question is from Catherine. Hope you can help with transplanting advice. Another transplanting question, mm. know, second one. I've had, I have an established garden in a very small rural v- village on the southwest slopes of New South Wales. It is unlikely anyone will move in after we leave, and the majority of the garden will die. Well, that's a bit sad mm. to hear. Our move will take place when the plants are dormant. Do you think I could successfully transplant bay trees? They have been established for around eight years and are about five feet high, but not particularly wide, about 60 centimetres across. I have access to machinery. What do you suggest? Can I transplant them?
1: Absolutely. Easy, easy ass. You're going to be doing this during the dormant period anyway. Bay trees can actually be clipped up really, really well. So, get your shears out there or your electric clippers, whatever you like, and give it a real good shave now, and that will just stimulate a bit of the root growth. And then I would do the do something similar to what um, we did before with um, moving the citrus. So, you can get a big root ball and stick it in, in a in a bit of hessian and tie it all up, and that will stay in that for uh, you know for a couple of months without any problems, just in the hessian bag. Um, or if you're going to put it into a big pot, that's fine. R- cut it back by at least a third from the top down as well. Um, and then once you've actually got a spot for it, if it even if it's if it's not going to be in a pot, but if it's going to go in the ground somewhere else, then start doing a bit of uh, preparation of, of on a weekly basis with sea sole. Now, if you have any concerns about the plant transpiring and that is losing more moisture through its leaves than it's picking up on the root system that you've you've disturbed there is a fabulous product that you can get on the internet and it is called wilt proof and it's w-i-l-t wilt and it's proof p-r-u-f and it is a foliar spray that you spray on the plant, and that will that will limit the amount of, of transpiring that that plant can, can have. So that's a great product, and it's only about 17 bucks for a you know for a, a, a ready-to-use spray bottle. So great you know great product and a great it'll do a great job for that. And you could even use that on the citrus tree as well. Mm.
0: You said just before you said you can tie it up in the hessian bag, and it, it could last for a couple of months like that. Yeah. So it last what just in the bag? Yeah, just it, yeah through the dormant you know, period. You know,
1: in in the in the very old days, mm-hmm. like when I was you know a, a small you know small person getting around, <laughs> there was no tiger. there was no such thing as plastic pots. Yeah. All right. Yeah, Yeah. yeah. So you either had things in in terracotta pots Uh, or you had plants that were grown out in the field and they were harvested by digging them up and put in what was called bald and burlapped. And a burlap is a form of hessian, a Ah, burlap bag, which is a natural bag. And that was how you you, would go and buy your trees. They were all bald and burlapped. So the the, the hessian, hessian was placed all the way around the trunk and tied up nice and neat and um, and then it was put in the back of your car and taken home and you planted the whole thing in the ground.
0: Okay. But it's still happy cuz it's like yeah. a bare root plant. I suppose it's happy to sit in that
1: it, Well, it's not going to be totally bare root because you are digging yeah, yeah, it yeah. up with okay. soil yeah, yeah. around it. Okay. And being in that you okay. know burlap bag, gotcha. it, the burlap when you when you water it, the burlap will, will remain moist because yes. it's a natural product.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, you know, so you could sit in there for, you know, a couple of months.
0: Okay, fantastic. You no, know, I, had, I had
1: a job down in um, down in Red Hill where we had to take all the trees that this, the landscaper had put in because they put in rubbish soil. So all the trees oh. were pulled out, during lifted out during the winter and mm. they were balled and burlapped. Okay. And they sat for two months
0: in the, until, just in their
1: ball and burlaps okay. and then they were replanted in the ball and the burlap bags.
0: Fantastic. Thank you very much for that clarification. Okay, the next one is from Chris. I'm based in Melbourne and have a leucodendron that has become quite tall and leggy. It's approximately 1.8 to 2 metres tall. How hard can this be cut back and when should I prune it to achieve a more bushy form?
1: Okay, leucodendrons are a a funny form of um, plant to be pruning. Um, They're a little bit like a conifer in terms of what you can and what you can't do to them. So with a conifer, you can't go cutting them back too hard. You can't go cutting them back into old wood or bare wood because they'll never grow back from that. A leucodendron is the same. So what you should do be doing with a leucodendron is pruning them after flowering, so taking the flower uh, heads off and, and just giving it a real light prune over that. Um, so the, the, the best time to do that, of course, is after the plant has finished flowering. So you cut, cut the flowers off and give it a little bit of a tidy up there. The main thing um, about about pruning leucodendron is that there's no exact science. But here is is a good tip. When you're going to cut a a leucodendron back, cut it back so there are four leaves left on the stem. Don't go cutting it back below that. So keep Mm, four leaves on the stem and that plant will then regrow from from that. Um, Just be very, very careful. So as I said, you can't go cutting it back past that those last four leaves
0: okay Will that okay help good I luck. hope yeah, well, hopefully good luck to Chris for that with that one okay now we have two questions from Heather the first question is about citrus fertilizing we use mulch wheat pea straw or leaves on our citrus trees it seems invasive to lift up the mulch to put fertilizer down but is this what we need to do or should the fertilizer be added on top
1: yeah well you're doing great great mulching there um, just Remember that the, the citrus trees are surface feeding plants, so their roots won't be very far below the surface. In fact, with a with a continual use of mulch, the the, the, the feeding part of the root system will come up into the mulch. So lifting the mulch will be more detrimental to the plant than, than not doing. So leave keep keep up doing the mulching, but add them add, add the, the organic matter, uh, organic fertilizers by just you know throwing it out but throw it out where the drip line of the plant is don't go throw throwing it up onto where the trunk of the tree is because there's no roots by the by the trunk of the tree the roots are all out where the edge of the of the, the the leaves are on the plant it's called the drip line so you just go around and feed that if you're going to be doing lots of mulching one thing i do say i do recommend you do is do not mulch up hard next to the trunk because you if you do that and that mulch remains wet you can form get get what's called cholerot, where the the mulch actually rots away the cambium layer, which is the green layer underneath the bark, and the tree will be will be ring barked effectively. So that's the that's the the best solution I can you know I can you know suggest there. Just keep it away. Uh, understand that citrus like lots of food and lots of water. Um, so you know that's that's the sort of thing that I'd be you know I'd be sort of keeping up there.
0: Okay, fantastic. Thank you, Keith. Question number two from Heather. I have a one-metre-wide garden bed that I'm hoping to make a rainforest-type area. It's two metres out from the kitchen window, looking towards the north and against a wall which is warmed by the winter sun, but shady. Mm-hmm. Do you get that? Yep. It also gets full sun in the middle of summer. I have a lemon myrtle and a redback native ginger planted in that bed. What other edibles will thrive to give a forest food no, food forest, food I should forest. have said, vibe.
1: Right, well, there's, there's a couple of, couple of choices there, that, or more than a couple, there's a few choices there. But what you want to be thinking about is having, having an upper story of, uh, of an edible plant or plants, and upper story plants that I've mentioned them before, things like the white sapote, which you can get from Daly's fruit trees um, up in New South Wales, Queensland, just up, up that way. Um, they've got a fabulous range of, of, of edible plants. Avocados, you can actually have um, you know, an upper storey plant macadamias will grow in, in that sort of a situation because these are all understory plants. They'll, they'll tolerate those sorts of conditions really, really well. And then underneath those, you can put more edible plants. Um, and a couple, of, a couple of examples here would be a plant called the midium berry, which is Ostromyrtus dulcis.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and that's an Australian native plant that gets to about a metre by a metre and it will produce wonderful little edible berries on it. You can make sauces or jams or whatever else from it. Mm. Just superb. And that'll tolerate a lot of shade. And then, of course, um, there's the Chilean guava. It's called Agni Molinae, which is another, another wonderful edible plant. Uh, I have, a, I have a, a, my oldest grandson who is colorblind, can't see the, the little red berries. On the, on, with the green mm. leaves, it just looks all the same. So he just stands there and he does braille with the leaves oh. and he just fingers oh, through which one. and finds and finds Ooh. the little berries and just <laughs> spends ages just standing there eating those. So it's a wonderful plant. And that's the, it's called Agni molinae or the Chilean guava.
0: That's fantastic. Any more, Keith?
1: No, I think that's pretty that good. sounds like you
0: to fill the bed quite well. <laughs> I think you've done very well. Okay, our last question is from Kylie. My two crepe myrtle trees haven't flowered yet. There are no buds at all. The trees are only three years old and I'm missing the blossoms so much. They look healthy. What's wrong? There's
1: nothing wrong. Um, I, I always prune my um, crepe myrtles back incredibly hard. And I mean, they're, they're literally they're, they're, they're back to almost a stick. And the reason for that is because if you cut them back really, really quite hard... In springtime, they will shoot forth and give you an abundance of branches. And now, we've flowers. had a very, very slow summer, um, even so much no summer. Mm. And, of course, they love that Mediterranean sort of conditions where it's hot and dry. And we've had the opposite. We've had lots of humidity and lots of water. So the plants have been putting more effort into producing lots and lots of leaves. Now, with a with a crepe myrtle, the actual flowering part is the very last bit of the of the branches and i bet you if you went out there and had a good look you'll see that the that the last say 50 millimeters of your of your, your branching um out there will have a different leaf set up on it to the bigger leaves that are further mm. down the plant mm. and that is where the flowers are going to be coming from the buds and the flowers will be coming on that last mm. little 50 mil mm. now i've got a i've got a, a pink um, crepe myrtle which has been flowering now for probably three weeks mm-hmm. and then on the other side of the driveway i've got probably six or seven white crepe myrtles and i've just noticed in the last couple of days that it's starting to now produce those flowering tips yes. so you've done nothing wrong it's on its way they should be and fine you'll, you'll you'll get a wonderful display a little bit later on they should be if you be don't fine. Let me know.
0: Yes, I have to admit, mine are the same. I've got one pink one that is flowering, and yep. the others are, are, uh, weren't flowering at all. And uh, I'm now seeing buds, so I think Kylie, you're they're just slow because we're now having that summer. Well, not today, but not we have today. been. That's <laughs> we're winter again today. But it's been very hot. You know, we've had some really hot days, so it's. Yeah, the trees are probably going to burst into life any minute. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Keith. That completes the questions for this Q&A session. Thank you to all our wonderful listeners for sending in their questions. We just love them. So please keep them coming, either by DM to our Muddy Boots Instagram page or by emailing gardengirl at And please don't forget to let us know if there are any specific topics that you'd like us to discuss as a main podcast. We would love to hear your suggestions. Now, for this month's Q&A prize winner... And the prize this month goes to Heather for her question regarding building a food forest or rainforest. Congratulations, Heather. We will be in contact with you shortly. Thanks again, as always, to the team at The Plant Runner for supplying the fabulous monthly Q&A prize. Visit theplantrunner.com. Thank you for listening to Muddy Boots. For more information on today's podcast, please go to muddyboots.net.au and happy gardening.